So this morning we find ourselves in our Lord's Prayer sermon series. And, you know, one of the blessings and joy in my week is the group of people that I get to work with, uh, with Brad and with some of these other guys. And we actually have a blast planning third service and, and kind of looking at, at what God's doing. And, and during this sermon series, as we've really looked at the Lord's Prayer, we, we started to really pick out a couple things here and there. And, and to be a know-it-all, um, I went to the Greek um, to just make a point to the guys, I went to the Greek, and in my attempt to, to kind of joke with, with Jared and some of the guys, we discovered something. That the more in-depth we looked in the original words of Christ, the more intentional every single word of the Lord's Prayer was. So here we have Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, as it's known. He's given us this sermon. He's teaching us how to pray. And every single word of this prayer that he teaches us, it, it, not one of them is just simply a filler word. Not one of them is by accident. But every single one of the words that Jesus used is packed full of life. Probably enough to do a sermon for a year uh, on just each word. So in this series, we're talking about prayer. And... Um, Prayer's good. I got to say, it's really good. I see a lot of our, our college students home on spring break. Uh, so some of our old students here, I just want to say hi and welcome back, everybody. It's good to see you all. Anyway, so why don't we go to the Lord in prayer. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Matthew 6. We're going to get there eventually. But uh, why don't you uh, go ahead and open your Bibles, and, and I'm going to pray for us. God, we love you. Speak your words here, Lord Jesus. You have something to say to each one of us um, differently through these words. And so, God, we pray that... Um, you are our Father. As Pastor John taught us last week, through Jesus' words, that you are Daddy. You are our Abba. And so um, we recognize, Lord, that you have something to say to us this morning. And so we pray that you would give us ears to hear. Um, and Lord, I pray that these would be your words off of my lips, not my words. So we give you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So my son Brandon, who's sitting right here, has this game that he likes to play. It's called Beyblade. Anybody ever heard of Beyblade? Uh, every day before school, he turns on Beyblade and watches this show, and, and, and I, you know, I don't get it. It's, it's, it's a goofy show where they, they battle with these dreidels or tops or whatever they are. And, and so what it is is it's this game where each of the tops that it, there is, they, they, you spin them and they drop down into this little bowl and they clang against each other and they bang against each other and they fight till one of the, the, the bays or the tops stops spinning. And so, and I can say this because I have a microphone on Brandon, he cheats at everything we ever do. All right, every game we play, he... Yeah, he's, but at this game, he can't because I figured this is the great game that, that I'm going to be able to beat him because there's no way he can possibly manipulate some kind of loophole or structure thing. I've got him. And so we sit down and we play this Beyblade game. And sure enough, no matter how much I will try to beat this kid at this game, this battling of the tops, he beats me. And there's this one little top that I like to use. It's got like a bear paw on it because I figured bear paws are awesome and it has to win. And so I pick up this bear paw top and I use it, and sometimes I'll get the upper hand, but he always ends up winning at the end. And there's this one particular top that he has that he always goes to. It's like white, and it's, got, it's called Pegasus. And, and so it angers me because I know every single time he uses this top, he's going to win. And I remember looking at him the other day, and I said, Brandon, why do you always use that top? 
Why do you always use that bay? And he looks at me with his serious look in his face, and he says, because, Dad, it's the best weapon in my arsenal. <laughs> I can't argue with that. And here I am, a father of my kid, going, why are you going for the best weapon in your arsenal, not realizing he's about to teach me a lesson? Because as Christians, all the time, we go to things that are not the best weapon in the arsenal. And when we go for the best weapon in the arsenal, we always win. Because when we reach out and we pray to God, which is our best weapon, we cannot lose. And more specifically, when we're in the will of God, when we're praying for God's will to be done, we cannot lose. And so this morning, that's what we're going to talk about. Last week, Pastor John talked to us about Abba, our Father, who art in heaven. It was the opening phrase that Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer. And God is our Abba. He's our Daddy. He's our Father. He does reside in heaven. And in fact, when He created everything, if you remember in the story in Genesis with the original fall and sin of Adam and Eve, God actually intended the earth to be good. It was intended to be perfect, but sin came and broke it. So now what happens in heaven is very different than what happens here on earth. But it's God's desire to ultimately bring heaven to here. Well, this is, you're following me, right? Okay. God wants to restore creation. He wants to restore heaven. And so when we look at these next few phrases in the Lord's Prayer in verse 10, it says, Your kingdom come. Your will be done. There's something very specific in that wording. It's not Jesus saying, my will be done. It's not Jesus saying, "Ah, God, if you feel like it, he's saying, your will be done. Your kingdom come. To pray such a thing is so much more meaty than I think we give it credit for. A lot of times we, we just breeze through the Lord's Prayer not realizing what we are actually asking for. When we pray the words, your kingdom come. We're asking for God to unify his vision with man and God. We're asking for this place to become holy like the place of heaven. Now, Jesus mentions that two times in this phrase. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus is telling us to pray for heaven to come. But there's something else that Jesus points out. The word your, Jesus the Christ doesn't say my will be done. He says your will be done. And all too often when we reach into our bag of Beyblades or whatever, we we go for the wrong thing. We don't go for the ultimate weapon. And we, we start doing our will. In fact, I was having some great conversations with people who were, who were saying, you know, sometimes in my life I do get that confused because I ask God to simply bless what I'm doing instead of asking God what he's doing and following him in that. And so when we get in that mindset, it's not like we're intentionally trying to do something bad, but we're not following God's will. Do you know what a will is? The will is, is basically God's desire for us. There's a great story in the Bible in the book of Jonah. Anybody familiar with it? I'm just going to tell you up front. Sometimes I say Noah when I mean Jonah, so if I do, just pay no attention to it. I mean Jonah, okay? (laughs) So Jonah's this guy 
who God has given him a specific calling in his life. God has set forth, Jonah, my will is for you to go to a specific group of people, and I want you to share me with them. And so if you want to turn to Jonah, you can do that. But he's called to go to Nineveh. Now, that would be like, for us, you know, we're Pittsburghers through and through. That would be like God saying, I want you to go to Cleveland and share the gospel. Okay? For some of us diehard, old-school football folks, that Cleveland rivalry is still there. And so there's like this resistance to go there, except for with Jonah, he legitimately hated the people of Nineveh. Hated them. Uh, you could even say downright racist towards them. Did not want to go. But he knew in his heart, he heard God say to him, I want you to go to my people. So instead of following God's will, Jonah inserted thy will with my will. You know what, Lord? Those Ninevites will be okay. I'm going to go down to Tarshish. I'm going to go do my thing down there. And so in disobedience to God, he headed for the city of Joppa, where he caught a, he caught a boat. I guess you can't catch a plane back then. He caught a boat. And when he got on the boat, he set sail for, 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 Jope, or for Tarshish. And during that whole expedition a storm arose because Jonah was outside of the will of God. And so while he's outside of the will of God and he's floating around and the storm raises, he recognizes right away that this is God's wrath for me being disobedient. And so he goes to the captain of the boat and he says, you have to throw me overboard. And it was in this moment that Jonah realized he had actually got on the boat with the most noble people on earth because they said, we're not leaving you behind. He's like, come on, throw me overboard. And so finally... After a whole lot of discussion, they decided to throw Jonah overboard. So Jonah goes overboard. And all the kids in the room know how this story goes. Because in that moment, what happens next is a giant fish comes and eats Jonah. And so Jonah spends some time in the belly of a giant fish. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was in the belly of a giant fish, I would think about life. (laughs) Right? And it says that Jonah cries out to God and basically gives him one of these spiels like, Lord, I, I got to obey you. I'll do your will. And, and so, you know, it's funny because when we're not in the will of God, we're nothing more than indigestion to his creation. Because what happens next is as he reaches out to God and cries out to God, God causes, and I love this verbiage, he just causes the whale to vomit Jonah. And he spits him out of his mouth. And when Jonah hits the shore, he goes, okay, God, I'll do your will. And he ends up going to Nineveh. Now, you'd think at this point in the story, inserting his own will, Jonah would get it. But he doesn't. Because when he goes to Nineveh, he goes kind of dragging his feet, him on, being all mad. I don't want to go to Nineveh, Lord. I don't like those people. So as my friend David Sad often says, Jonah went to Nineveh, hid behind a dumpster, and simply preached to a rat. And the whole town got saved. And, and so he's not excited about this because this wasn't his will. I didn't see things going out like this, God. I, I don't want these people in heaven with me. And so he goes and they all accept God. The king bows down and there's this beautiful moment. And Jonah's so mad that he, he walks outside of the city gates and he climbs up on a hill and he sits under this stupid little fig leaf and he pouts about it. And this is where I love God's sense of humor because Jonah's missing the point of the beauty of God's will. While he's sitting under this stupid little fig leaf, a worm sent by God attacks the fig leaf, assaults it to the point where it dies. And now Jonah is ready to die 
because that little fig leaf wilts because he's so angry that God did something different than what he wanted. And I tell you that story to say this, that, that Christians, listen, it doesn't say in the Lord's Prayer, your will be done. It doesn't say Jamie's will be done. When we pray that in the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus teaches us to pray that, we are to pray, thy will be done. And I know I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again, but the great theologian Garth Brooks says, sometimes we need to thank God for unanswered prayers because he, sometimes he don't answer it don't mean he don't care. Because we think we know what's best for us, folks, and we don't. God sees the entire picture. We don't. And Jesus is telling us when we pray to God that it's garbage of a situation that you are in. And I've talked to a lot of you and some of you have a lot of hurt in your life and it is real pain and it is hurtful and grotesque. Hang in there. Because God does have a plan for it. He has a will for you. And when we pray for heaven to come down on earth as it is in heaven, we're praying for God to make this place holy. I had an incredible week this past week, spending time with some pastors. Do you want to know how you know what God's will is for your life? Do you want to know? You have to ask for it. That's what Jesus is telling us. You have to pray about it. And so many times as we try to pray, we, we, we pray in such a way that all we do is talk to God. But I want to tell you right now, you need to spend time talking to God and you need to spend time listening to God. More time listening. Because God will speak to you. But sometimes it will be very subtle. Sometimes he'll speak to you through the scriptures. Sometimes he'll speak to you through other people. Sometimes he'll speak to you in your mind and then you'll say to yourself, was that just me in my head? There's a lot of you shaking your head right now because you know what I'm talking about. But God will speak to you and he will reveal his plan for your life. This past week, I, I met with some people on Monday. And the thing that we talked about was, you know, it would be really nice if all the churches in the city of Pittsburgh could just kind of come together and, and work for the kingdom of God. And then on Tuesday, I met with a group of people who wanted to talk about making the city of Pittsburgh, uh, there's this old vision of making the city of Pittsburgh as famous for God as it was for steel. And, and so that's my Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, I go to a luncheon with all these churches in the area, and we talked about having a moment of repentance, of little kingdom mindset. And then on Thursday, I went to another luncheon where we talked about unifying God's body. And then on Thursday night, there's an ecumenical service downtown where all the different denominations got together and put down their egos and their attitudes and they prayed together. And then on Friday, I sit in a room with a friend of mine who looks at me and says, I have been called to this city because God's going to do something great. Do you see how God's been talking to me all week? Something's going on in this city. And I don't know whether that's the Franklin Graham thing coming in and something magnificent is about to happen, but I do know this. God is talking to me through other people, through the moments of my life, and I've got to listen because I have my goals. I know where Jamie wants to be in, in one, two, to three to five years because we all have goals, right? I'm telling you what, throw those out the window because what if God has something different for you? What if God is telling you to stop being concerned about your agenda and start worrying about a bigger picture? Maybe you're sick. Maybe it's God's will for you to stay sick. 
Did you ever think about that? Maybe you are the wealthiest person on the planet that God has asked to suffer in Hawaii making bajillions of dollars a year. God may call some of you to that. God may call some of you to be homeless. But each one of us is created on purpose with a unique individual calling from God. So we have our individual calling from God, but then we have like a general calling from God. Because you know what God's will is for the entirety of the world? Do you know what it is? I'll show you. It's in John 6, if you have your Bibles. I've outlined everything in my Bible to the point where I don't know what I've outlined. <laughs> so excuse me. It says this in John 6, 35. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have came down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who has sent me. And this is the will of him who has sent me, that I should lose none of all that he has given me but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. Do you see what God's will for us is? What God desires for us? These are red letters, so this is Jesus talking. Jesus is telling us that God's will for each one of us is that we come to a saving faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. So if you're sitting there asking yourself the question, God, why do I exist? Why am I here? What do you want me to do with my life? This is a great place to start. You need to give your life to Christ and he'll help you figure out the rest because we're going to jump quickly over to the book of Ephesians 1 because that's God's general purpose for us. God wants us to come to know Christ. He wants us to fall in love with him. And then it says in Ephesians 1.11, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. See, God created us to fall in love with Jesus, to be made right, so that we can obey God's will. You're created to submit to God's will, not your will. Your will is very small. And as I said before, when you're outside of God's will and you're focused on your will, you're just indigestion in the creation. But God tells us later in Ephesians 5 how we're supposed to carry out his will. We're commanded to do two things in this world. Do you guys remember what they are? What are they? Love God and love others. Okay, But in all that we do, in all the paths that God sets before us, whether we're running a business or whether we're an accountant or whether we're a school teacher or whether we're in school or whatever it is that we're doing, God desires for us to follow his will. And this is what he says in Ephesians 5. He says, be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life uh, of love, just as Christ loved us and gave up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Church, we're called 
to live lives of love, to be imitators of Christ. And if we're imitating Christ, we're imitating what's happening in eternity. And we can honestly say to our Abba, bring your kingdom here. Bring your kingdom here. I, heard a, I read a great quote this past week. I'm trying to find the gentleman's name who I read it from. William Hendrickson made this statement that God's kingdom will not come until his will is done. That's a very true statement. And so as believers, we need to get busy about the things of the kingdom. And so how do we start that? We start that with prayer. You know, prayer is a conversation between two people. One of the things that breaks my heart as a pastor is so many people come to me and they say, I don't know how to pray. I I don't pray good. I don't pray right. I don't do it well enough. Baloney. Prayer is a simple conversation between you and God. And and we have all kinds of different ways that we pray. We have liturgical prayers and we have bidding prayers and we have quiet prayers. But listen to me. All that is required because of what Christ did on the cross is for you to say, Abba, Daddy, Father, God. And you just talk to the man. You just talk to God. He wants to hear it. It is the most powerful weapon in your arsenal, and it's often the last place we go. The Bible tells us that we win, and it is the will of God. It is the will of God for us to follow His will, and His will starts with us crying out to our Father. How's your prayer life? How's your direction in life? Because if you're asking the question, what is my purpose in life? I promise you, I can point to a shallow prayer life. And that's not meant to hurt. It's just what it is. Because the closer we get to to God through our prayer, the more he's going to speak to us because the more we're going to be listening. And so I want you all to go home. You have homework today. I want you to go home. And I want you to go to your bed. And I want you to lay down. And if you live in a noisy house, turn the fan on or something. Make it quiet for you. And I want you to pray for 10 minutes. I want you to ask God, say, Abba, reveal to me what your will is. Not my will, but your will. Our wills aren't always bad. But if our will is not what God's will is, it's not good. Ask God, what is your will? Why did you put me where I'm at in life right now? What is the purpose that you have given me, God? And I want you to take 10 minutes and I want you to pray for God to speak to you somehow. And then after that 10 minutes is up, I want you to lay there for 20 more minutes and I want you to shut up. I want you to lay there and be quiet. And if your neighbor's dog starts barking and you're focusing on that, simply pray these words. God, help me to be focused on you. And go back to it.
And if you fall asleep, that's okay too. Because I love when my kids come talk to me and they fall asleep in my lap. And as Pastor John pointed out, God loves when his children climbs up into his lap and it's comfortable enough that they fall asleep. If you fall asleep, that's okay. Maybe God's telling you, take a break. Ten minutes of you speaking to God and 20 minutes of silence. That's your homework today. Please honor that. Please do that because God told me that to tell to you, not so that we can all take a nap, (laughs) but I think God wants to speak to some of us because you guys have a lot of life circumstances going on and it's hard to understand how sometimes a cancer can be a part of God's will. But it is. And we need God to help us to understand how us submitting to his will makes the kingdom come here. So, Father, we love you. We praise you for who you are and the way that you love us. We recognize, God, that you have a specific will for all of mankind. That is to bring you glory and to fall in love with Jesus. But God, you also have a very specific will for each one of us. You've placed each one of us in the circumstances of life that we are in for a reason, just as you used Jonah. And so God, we pray that you would reveal to us what your will is. But God, we can't expect you to talk if we're not spending time in conversation with you. So Lord Jesus, help our prayer lives. Help our prayer lives. Help us to take still moments to really listen to what you have to say. Help us to remember how good it felt when we discovered that in spite of how messed up and broken we are, you still loved us. Help us, God, to hear what you have to say through your scriptures and through your people and through the way that you speak in our minds. God, when we hear you, help us to not rationalize it. Because, God, you don't always make sense. But help us to have faith in what you're saying to us. And help us to be bold, Abba. Your will be done.